Well, this group has grown. That's good. I'm excited to see everyone here today, and I'm delighted that uh, John and I could be here with you at, at Pleasant Grove. And this church has been a part of uh, our lives. John served in the Dalton District, and I served in the Dalton District at, as well at the same church over at Mount Vernon. How many of you have relatives over there? Okay, good. <laughs> Wait till I'm out of town before you ask them about me, okay? No, I'm just kidding. Great, great people over there. We were there for four and a half years and really enjoyed that uh, that time. And Dalton is a wonderful place to be, and, and Whitfield County, just, just a great, great place. So I'm glad to be here today. How many of you brought your uh, Bible to church with you today? If you, if you brought a Bible, just hold your hand up. Well, we're a little sparse on Bibles. I guess the rest of y'all have memorized all of it, right? So you don't have to carry it around. <laughs> all right, how many of you have a cell phone with you today? Wow, look at all those hands. Now, let's, let's leave them up. All of you that have a cell phone, I've got one too. How many of you have a cell phone? Hold your hand up. Now, how many of you that have that cell phone have the Bible on it? Good. I don't see, but maybe one hand go down. You know, that is the most convenient way today to have God's Word, is to put it on your cell phone. And, you know, if you don't have a smartphone, I think they've been out now about 31 years. If you don't have a smartphone, uh, get your kids or your grandkids to give you one for Christmas. It doesn't have to be an iPhone 14 or anything. You know, they still still sell iPhone 7s and those kind of things. You can put the Bible on your phone. In fact, you can have free programs, free Bible apps on there. You can have uh, 7 or 8 or 10 or 12 or how many free uh, translations on there. I usually stay with the, uh, the NIV that I call the New Improved Version. Uh, it's what we'll be looking at this morning. But if you have that... Would you please look up this morning uh, the 10th chapter of the Gospel of Luke, Luke 10, verses 1 through 3 is where we're going to be starting this morning. And uh, that doesn't mean we're going to be here a long time. It just means we're going to be starting with verses 1 through 3. And if you, you can, get to where you can see that scripture. Chris, do y'all have pew Bibles? Got some pew Bibles? Hey, those pew Bibles don't bite, so if you want to take one of them and look up in the Gospel of Luke, the 10th chapter, and I'll be reading from verses 1 through 3 this morning. This is a very exciting scripture today. How many of you were at prom last night? Anybody? Come on, where are all the people at prom? Okay. Did y'all talk about Luke 10, 1 through 3 at prom? No, no. <laughs> now that's honest. That's good. That's, that's all right. If you had talked about Luke 10 at prom, uh, somebody might have said, oh, they're a Jesus nut or something, you know, some kind of fanatic. Because fanatics are people that demonstrate their love for Christ a little bit more than we're willing to, right? So think about that a little bit. Um, I, was, I was a Jesus nut when I was in high school. And uh, people would come up and say, uh, hey, Hollis, we're going down to the river tonight and we're going to go party down. And, and I'd, I'd not say, uh, okay, whatever, or I don't want to go. I'd just say, why don't you just sit down right there, man? I want to talk with you. And I'd, I'd give them the best sermon you ever heard. 
And I'd, I'd do the best I could to just take my buddies in high school if they said something like that. And I just had this little crane I could hook them with and hang them out over the flames of hell, hoping they would repent. And let me tell you something, that just made me incredibly popular. Okay? I mean, everybody wanted to invite me to their stuff and have me go out with them. But that's okay. By the time I was a senior, people were calling me preacher. And it wasn't a good, just, well, there's preacher. What you got to say today, preacher? Well, praise the Lord. Yeah, praise the Lord. Right, you know. And, uh, but anyway, it's hard to be a Christian in a lot of settings, isn't it? And, and we know better now. The things I'm teaching this weekend are, are way better than trying to confront someone or, you know, be hard on someone because we're talking about loving others unconditionally with the love of Jesus Christ. And, and it's not a, a mushy, uh, you know, chuckle you under the chin kind of love, but it's a love that can break through any barriers, and it's a love that changes us forever. So that's what we're talking about. Luke 10, 1 through 3. I hope you've got it in front of you. Please don't close your Bible up or turn your phone off uh, after we get through verse 3 because we're going to go back and look at it a little bit. Let's stand together today for respect and admiration and honor of God's Word as we read this, as I read this for us today. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of Him to every town and place where He was about to go. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, exclamation point. Go, exclamation point. I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take any purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. So we've been blessed this morning by the reading and the hearing of God's holy word in Luke 10. Verses 1 through 3, even though I did read 4. Y'all notice that. Somebody said he was just going to 3. You're right. That's all right. I'm 68 years old, by the way, so don't let that bother you. All right, 1 through 3. So uh, please be seated, and let's go to the Lord in prayer. Oh, God, we come this morning, and we ask for you to quicken our minds and our hearts, and let us just press aside all those other things that are on our minds right now and stressing us out perhaps or, or we're concerned about getting to. Um, let us focus on your holy word today and speak to us anew and afresh with the power that raised Jesus from the grave. May we leave here differently than when we entered this space today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now the first thing you'll notice about that scripture that you've uh, you've still got open there is verse 1. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out ahead of him to all the places that he wanted to be represented, right? Because that's what they were doing. They were going out to perhaps be the only Jesus that people would see. Has anybody ever said that to you before? You might be the only Jesus somebody sees in their life. 
Because after all, there aren't a lot of people going around talking about Christ in public and talking about Christ at Starbucks or, you know, the hamburger place or the restaurant or wherever. That's kind of unusual. So I want you to realize that this text is very, very old, but things haven't changed a lot. For instance, in some of your Bibles that you're still looking at, it says what I just read from the NIV It says, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out ahead of him. Right? How many of your Bibles, if you're looking at that verse, how many of your Bibles say 72? Raise your hand. Not all the hands, you notice. How many of your Bibles that you've got this morning say 70? About the same number. Some of you are going, now, what? The Bible doesn't have problems like that. Well, there's a reason that some Bibles say there were 70 that Jesus sent out, and some Bibles say there were 72. I'll see if I can't explain it very quickly to you. They all got together because they were going to have a big meal, kind of like a potluck or something. So that got the crowd there, right? Because isn't it true, those of you who have been doing church for a while, you know that when you have a lot of food, more people show up, right? That's true. That's, that's okay. It's not a trick. It's okay. Well, when they found out that they weren't just going to eat, but they were actually going to learn about reaching out and they were going to go out into the community and go visit and meet people they didn't know, two of those people were Methodists. And they took off. It's like that. They, they went out the door quicker than you could blink your eye. And that's why some Bibles say there were 70 and some say 72 because in some of the translations they were counted before those two took off. Now, it's just a kidding thing, but let me say this. Fear is something that comes to us when we talk about reaching out to people and loving them with the love of Jesus Christ. In the 30 years that I worked in evangelism all over America, Um, we did a survey in all those sessions and and events and weekends, and we did a survey, and we got over 100,000 surveys across those 30 years, and we asked this question. What are the top two reasons that Christians are reluctant to share their faith with other people? And, And we were amazed after about the 15th or 16th year of doing that We'd go up north, we'd go out west, we'd go down to Miami, we'd go to Washington State, all those places. Big churches, small churches, rural, urban, all those. They'd say 94% of them said this. The first reason that I don't share my faith in Christ or, or talk to people that I don't know well about Jesus Christ, and even sometimes people I do, is because I'm afraid of personal rejection. That was the number one answer, 94% of those 100,000 surveys, 94%. I fear personal rejection. How many of you that are here this morning just love personal rejection? Anybody? You're listening, aren't you? Well, now, now some of you young adults here who are maybe still in high school or college, uh, you've kind of toughened up about some of that, but you still don't like it. Some of us that are in the golden years uh, we don't like it any better than you do, right? We really don't. And uh, Amy, I got, I got so tickled when you were up here talking a while ago. 
and you said you saw these beautiful young girls with makeup on and all that, and you didn't recognize some of them. Well, you're pretty young too, Amy. And you know what? There's going to come a time in all of our lives where people are going to make that same comment to you. You go to your 50th reunion or your 52nd reunion, and they're going to say, you know what? I, I saw your picture, but I wouldn't have recognized you, right? That's because some people put pictures in those things that are from 20 years ago, right? And you see them in person. It's like, well, anyway, you know. So, so we are the picture that we live. And that's why it's important to be true to who God calls us to be. It's, it's amazing. So Jesus said, we're getting together. We're going to have a meal. We're going to send you out. So he sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. And this is what he gave them some instructions. This is what he said. I'm going to be reading right there from verse 2. He said, the harvest is plentiful. Is that good news? Right? The harvest is plentiful. If you go picking apples or you go looking for corn or, or whatever you're hunting out there, and it says the harvest is plentiful, you're like, yay, that's great, awesome. Well, what was Jesus talking about here? The harvest is plentiful. What was he talking about? You can speak in church. I don't think these chandeliers will fall. Anybody? What's he talking about? People, right? So the harvest is plentiful. There are plenty of people out there who don't know Jesus Christ in a personal, saving way. And they don't know the joy of living with Christ every day, and they don't know the power of the Holy Spirit, and they don't understand what it is to live a victorious and abundant Christian life. You know people like that. I know people like that. There are many people out there today just like that. Okay, And then he said something else in that same sentence. He said, the harvest is plentiful, good news, but the workers are few. Now, why didn't he use the word in verse 3, vacationers? Don't you think he could have drawn up more people that way? But the vacationers are few. Because if we go out to reach the harvest for Christ, we're going to find out that it's hard work. It's tough. It's not easy. It's not simple. It's not quick. If we go on vacation, we can get all excited about that. We're going to Florida, or we're going to Disney World, or we're going to the mountains, or something. We get all excited about that. You say, what are you doing next week? Oh, I'm going to, to reach out to the harvest of people that don't know Christ, and I'm going to be about doing that next week. Oh, my. Well, I'll sure keep you in my thoughts. You ever have anybody that says to you, I'll keep you in my thoughts? Any of y'all? The next time somebody says to you, I'll keep you in my thoughts, I hope you'll ask them, so what is that going to do? Think about it. It's kind of right in the silly category. Well, I'll keep you in my thoughts. Well, what is, so you got this magical power or something? I said, hey, don't, don't keep me in your thoughts. Just pray for me, okay? Because prayer has massive impact. Keeping you in your thoughts is like, something nice and sweet and fluffy and all that. But listen, I'm sending out workers into the harvest field. And then it says in verse 3, go. We're not going to keep talking about this. We're going to go. It's an exclamation point in every translation right after the word go. <laughs> I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. 
Is anybody feeling their stress level go up just a little bit? But what if I said to y'all, we're going to go out this afternoon and we're going to go out like lambs being sent out among wolves. And you would say, man, we are not dumb. We are not signing up for that. But let us know how it works, okay? Because that sounds exciting. It just doesn't need to be me. It's like when you talk to people about zip lines. Y'all been on zip lines? Probably not. Zip lines right here. Raise your hand again, sir. Look at there. There's a Renaissance guy right there who's gone on zip lines. Now, y'all got to know that's very special. But you get on that zip line for the first time, and you don't walk up there generally, and they put that little harness on that almost kills you, right? And you uh, hook up, and they say, you're going to hook up, strap up, all this stuff. You don't say, no problem, let's go. You kind of go like, well, I don't know. You know. This doesn't look very safe. How long have y'all been doing this? And I got good insurance and all that kind of stuff. Because fear comes in, right? Now, why did Jesus possibly say something to these 70 or 72? I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Why didn't he, why didn't he turn on the snow machines and smooth them in some way? Like some people do. Ah, oh, this is going to be easy. There's nothing to it. You'll be fine. Everybody you see is going to welcome you, and they're going to all want to accept the Lord, and it's going to work out fine, and everything's going to be great. We were up in Auburn, New York. Anybody know where Auburn, New York is? It's up there. It's up there. It's, it's up in upstate New York in Apple Country. We were up in Auburn, New York, this, this big church up there. We were doing a district training on evangelism. And we had about 30 people there that day, and we were going to go out, and we were going to call on people in their homes. This was like decades before COVID ever came around, you know. And so we were dividing into teams, and we were going to go do that. And one guy said, well, where are we going to go? Where are these teams going to go? And uh, the leader of, of the group there said, well, where do you want us to go? He said, oh, I know where we need to go. There's a trailer park over on the other side of the city here where people that, you know, are really down and out and are struggling and poverty and all that, they live over there. I, I think we ought to go call over there. So this guy that was the conference leader there that day, he's a very spiritual guy, he said, so Bill, tell me why you really want us to go to that trailer park way over there, three or four miles away. He said, well, it's pretty simple. He said, because I don't know anybody over there. And he said, well, Bill said, but what about this big mansion right across the road? Because that church was surrounded in a neighborhood of mansions that had been built by the people that started Kodak Camera Company. Y'all remember Kodak? They, they were like the railroad people. They were like the, the, uh, the, um, the big, big money. He said, why don't we go to that house over there and just, y'all, your, your team kind of go down the street over here. He said, well, because they know me and some of them are my business clients and I don't want to do that. And I said, wow, wait a minute, we ought to talk about this. Is that what it means where it says lamb among wolves? Because when you bring Jesus into a conversation, I don't care where it is, doesn't it change everything? It really changes everything. <laughs> Because there's power in the name of Jesus, right? Now, if you're, if you're using it in a slang way, like, Jesus, it's like, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about somebody who says, i got to think about this, and 
ask myself, what would Jesus want me to do? Okay, so I think about it. Jesus said, I'm sending you out like lambs in the midst of wolves, really, honestly, truthfully, because he was known as the shepherd of the sheep, right? And if the lambs are taken out with the shepherd of the sheep, they have nothing to be afraid of, right? Because the wolf, the lion, the bear, the tigers, all those animals that would kill the lambs, the shepherd is greater than anything they face. And that's why he said that. So we can't go anywhere that the Lord doesn't go before us, with us, and after we're there. And this is a true principle today. It really, really is. Now, something happened that was amazing uh, over in verse 17. Let's, let's go through the rest of this in verse 17. It says, the 72 returned, or the 70 returned, whichever translation you're looking at. But they returned, and they returned with something that they didn't have when they left. And what, what does it say? They returned with what? Joy. Thank you for having it open there. They returned with joy. And they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Now, that's the way outreach ministry works. You go out often in fear, and you return with joy. Because we realize as we get out there, we start having what we call divine appointments. And the Holy Spirit puts us in the right place at the right time even though we may be bumbling around or kind of guessing where we need to go or who we need to talk with. Up in uh, New York State, in another place called Messina, New York, up on the St. Lawrence Seaway, the next year we were up there doing ministry. And I was sent to a church, Pastor Chris, where people, they, they just didn't even believe anybody would do evangelism. But a lot of them came to our training because they said they wanted to hear us talk. Most of us were from the South, right? You, you ever had anybody do it? So we, we want you to know, Reverend Hollis, we just came tonight to hear you talk because you've got that good Southern accent, and it's gotten expensive to go to Florida. So we, we just came to hear you talk. I hope that's okay. Sure, sure it's okay. So when we got ready to go out on teams, this, this pastor up there was a wonderful guy, he said, Jim, come over here a minute before we go. He said, I'm, I'm putting Louise on your team because Louise is not the most positive person in our church. In fact, she was against y'all coming. She's against evangelism. She's against doing anything like this. And so if you don't mind, I'm going to put her on your team because I knew you'd know what to do with her. And I said, oh, thank you so much. Okay. So I had another lady named Mrs. B who was a school teacher. She'd been teaching school for about 55 years. And she wore her hair in a bun, and she had those little uh, heeled shoes with little pointed toes. Some of you remember what I'm talking about. She was old school. And uh, it had been snowing up there. It was like four and a half feet of snow on the ground. Well, that didn't bother them at all. We'd have shut down with one inch in Atlanta. But they, they were, we were going to go out. Of course, they plow the roads and all that. So I can remember uh, we went to the first place we called on, and it was a house full of Jehovah's Witnesses. 
I was like, thank you, Lord. What a sense of humor. So we, we knocked on their door. They came to the doors. Yes, who are you? I said, oh, we're from over at the Methodist Church, First Methodist Church down here. And, and about six or seven of them came out and made a circle around us right there. It's cold. And, and they said, who told you how to do this? I said, Jesus. Oh, I, I don't know if it was that far back because we kind of invented this in Jehovah's Witnesses back in 1817. You know, I said, well, yeah, I don't know who told you that, but I'm sorry you're a victim of poor teaching. But anyway, we're just here making friends in the community and that kind of thing. And they said, wow, we have never seen Methodists do this ever. And, and thanks for coming by, but we really don't want to get to know y'all. We said, okay, that's fine. So we went back and got in the car. And, and Miss, Miss Louise was sitting in the front seat. I was driving. It was, it was another car we were borrowing. And, and uh, uh, Miss B was sitting in the back. I could see her in the rearview mirror. I said, well, where y'all want to go next? Want to go down this street? No, I tell you what, let's do this. Let's pray about where God might want us to go next. And uh, you know this street? Both of y'all know this street? And she said, yeah, we know this street. So well, let's just drive down this street. And I said, okay, so Miss Louise, would you just pray for a minute? Let's just stop and pray silently just for about 30 seconds and, and see if the Lord will tell you where we need to go. So we did. And uh, I said, okay, Miss Louise, where, you, where do we need to go? She said, well, just drive right down this street here. So we drove down the street, and there were houses up there that most of them were kind of beige or brown or something like that. There was a blue house about three or four houses down on the right. And Ms. B, Ms. Louise said, uh, well, I think we ought to go to that blue house. And I said, wow, that is awesome, Louise. I said, did, did the Lord tell you that? She said, heck no. She said, blue's my favorite color, and that's why I'm telling you that. So just don't worry about it. I said, okay, well, I know you're excited about this. So let's go to that house. We went over and knocked on the door. This little lady came to the door. She's in her 60s. And she said, yes, can I help you? And, and uh, we said, we're from over at the... First Methodist Church here in town, and we're just out meeting our neighbors and making new friends. And she said, please, come right in. And we went in and sat down in their beautiful living room. It was a very nice house. And uh, Miss B and Louise and me and, and this lady, she said, just a minute. If you don't care, I want to just go back to the back of the house and get my husband because I don't want him to miss this. And I thought, miss what? <laughs> and so she went and got him, and we introduced each other. And uh, she said, I got a question. I know you want to tell us something, but I got a question. Uh, how did you decide tonight to come to our house on, on all the houses on this street? I said, well, Louise, why don't you tell her? She said, well, we prayed about it. <laughs> right answer, right? Yeah. <laughs> she said, to tell you the truth, it's, it's not exactly. So I said, don't worry about it. It's fine. I said, why do you ask? And she said, well, about three weeks ago, my husband and I were sitting down and we looked at each other and said, you know, now that we've been empty nesters for about six months and our kids have graduated and all moved away and, and we don't have a lot of other friends in this town, she said, I just don't think it's happening for us. I just don't think we're probably going to stay together. What do you think? And he said, yeah, I kind of agree. It's kind of getting dull. And I, I think we might just, uh, you know, be very reasonable and very kind to each other but let's just divide the stuff up and we'll have a, a you know kind of a, 
uh, amicable divorce and you can go your way and I'll go my way and everything. We'll still be friends and we'll be parents to our kids and all that. So, okay. So she said we got out a legal pad and we started making a list. You get the living room furniture, you get the den furniture, it's my piano, it's your bicycle, it's your car, this is your car, that kind of thing to get divided all up. And, and she said, we've almost gotten that done. And then we asked ourselves the question, um, what are we going to do now? What are we going to do now? And uh, we looked at each other again, this couple, and said, well, I, I guess there's only one thing we haven't done, and that is to pray. Maybe we need to pray about this because we've listed it all out and got it all listed and figured out and everything. What if we prayed? For three days, you know, a lot of things in the Bible talk about three days. So let's talk, pray for three days. And if God sends somebody to our house right here, then that's a message from God that we should stay together and try to love each other again. And her husband said, I said, that's fine with me because that ain't happening. And guess what? <laughs> this lady said, it's the third day. And here y'all are. Now, I looked over at Miss Louise in that chair. I can still see her. Her mouth was open so big, I could have flown a paper airplane right into it. And there wasn't a dry eye in that place because the Holy Spirit put us there through the wacky ways that it happened. The Holy Spirit put us there. And I'm saying today, there's somebody in your world, there's somebody in your relationships, they may be in your family, they may be in your school, they may be at work, there's somebody that God wants to use you to reach for Jesus Christ in a, in a caring, compassionate way. And I believe that with every ounce of my heart. And I'm preaching it this morning. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few, and we can change that. Let's pray. Oh, God, we thank you for divine appointments. We thank you for how you can use people just like us, even though we have struggles and shortcomings and, and issues in our lives and, and some broken relationships. But, Lord, we are like uh, crack pots. We're, we're like pots with cracks in them. And we thank you so much that you love us enough to invite us to be people that your grace and love can be showered onto others with. And we pray that we'll stay today and learn more about how we can do that well. You did send us into the world, and you still do. And we want to be those you can trust with your power. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.